Hello and welcome to Cracking Curriculum number 26. This is a Marauders number 3 and 4 combo review. My favorite 2019 Dawn of X comic book. I'm Dave Busing, founder and editor-in-chief of ComicBookHerald.com. In the Cracking Krakoa series, I've been going through all of the X-Men updates that have been happening since House of X and Powers of Ten, going into now the Dawn of X. As we approach the end of 2019 here, this final week of major comic book releases actually had five of six Dawn of X titles come out this week, including Marauders, and it's the title that has really captivated me most throughout Dawn of X. I have lots of mixed feelings about a handful of the other books, but Marauders has been consistently among my favorites. I definitely would not have predicted Jerry Dugan and Matteo Lali's Marauders would be my favorite 2019 Dawn of X book, particularly ahead of two Jonathan Hickman written series with X-Men and New Mutants. But it very much has held steady as the comic most clearly filled with purpose, humor, and vision. Marauders feels like a book that knows where it wants to go and how it wants to utilize the new status quo of Krakoa and House of X for a successful long run. Today I'll be answering what the last two issues tell us about Marauders' vision, who the heck is Shinobi Shaw, and who the heck are those kids claiming to be ex-Hellfire Club? If you like the Combo Carol YouTube channel or podcast, please consider liking and subscribing and sharing. And as always, please go on over to comicbookcarol.com for more insights, analysis, and comic book guides. So, what do the last two issues tell us about what Marauders is trying to do? The clearest direction for Marauders so far is that Dugan, Lolly, and company are most interested in the Hellfire Club politics and power dynamics than the ostensibly teased hook of a mutant pirate vessel led by Kate Pride. The pirating is very much in play, but it's secondary to the machinations of wealthy, powerful, scheming former villains now placed inside the Krakoa's Quiet Council, and that's actually really fascinating to me. As a result, the pirate crew is given short spurts of focus over the past few issues, allowing displays of power, in the case of Storm, and displays of idiot humor, Pyro offering beer to refugee kids. It's a really nice dynamic. I don't feel like we've lost much of the pirating crew. I get a good feel for who all these characters are. Pyro and Lockheed in tandem together have obviously been a favorite of Dugan and Lolly so far. I think we're due for some more better Iceman content. Probably has gotten the shortest drift of the bunch. But otherwise, it's a dynamic that is very much working for Marauders for me. Whereas issue number three is all about Sebastian Shaw's power schemes. More on those in a moment. Marauders 4 blends Kate and Bishop solving Eastern mysteries with unexpected Hellfire twists and turns. Even during their investigation into the disappearance of an individual used to foster anti-mutant hostility, Kate remains on Bishop's case about accepting her offer to join her Hellfire squad as her very on the repeatedly broken nose Red Bishop. I enjoyed the dynamics between Kate and Bishop an awful lot throughout both Marauders 3 and their text exchange data page and Marauders 4 as again they fight together, work together, and ultimately disrupt anti-mutant uh, speeches <laughs> by calmly walking on stage and announcing that it's all BS. Of course, it wasn't so calm prior to that. Yes, there's action and exploration of the world outside Krakoa, such as Kate and Bishop's discovery of the Lady Deathstrike Maid Service, as Kate Pride calls it. But the real hook here is the Krakoan power struggles and what it means for the status of the X-Nation. I'm most interested in this idea of Krakoa being established as a nation, but having all sorts of power dynamics and shifts and people scheming on the inside of the Quiet Council. I've talked about this a lot, but there's a, a House of X and Powers 10 has a very let's hold hand and play together 
feel, particularly because, you know, Apocalypse is joining together with Professor X, Magneto, and their vision, but you still have the likes of a Sebastian Shaw, Emma Frost, Mr. Sinister, Exodus, people not known for playing nicely and, and playing, you know, for the greater good necessarily. It's interesting to see what they're planning to do. All right. Speaking of schemers, who the heck is Shinobi Shaw? Marauders 3 dives into these power plays with Sebastian Shaw's effort to resurrect his son Shinobi Shaw, dead by his own hand prior to House of X, as his Black Bishop. As the Hellfire power players put together their loyal supporters, it's interesting to note that both Emma and Sebastian have chosen family with their first announced picks. Neither are particularly known for their deep familial ties, although this is doubly true in Sebastian's case, where his relationship with his son is rooted firmly in a never-ending quest to subjugate and kill the other. <coughs> Excuse me. Emma's pick, of course, as we'll remember from previous issues, was Christian Frost, her brother. Since he's a lesser-known X-character, I'll take a moment to talk about Shinobi Shaw. Shinobi debuts in X-Factor number 67, and right out of the gates is seen draining his father's wealth, trying to use his mutant ability to control his own density, think vision, but only the body density bits, to give his dad a heart attack, and then blowing up the Shaw estate. Happy Father's Day! Shinobi has played at Black King of the Hellfire Club, although more often than not, his clearest rival is in fact the return of his father. There's a particularly strange family dynamic between the two, where they simultaneously want to kill the other, but are also proud of the strength in their family name that they would be able to succeed in killing the other. With dads like these, who needs enemies? Shinobi, of course, has secrets of his own, but the big issue ending is Sebastian's attempts to manipulate Shinobi for his own ends. This feels destined to blow up in Sebastian's face, especially considering we've already seen Shinobi is beholden to some mysterious outside entity, but for the time being, he's trying to use Shinobi's anger against Emma and Kate Pride. There's some mystery here. You know, Marauders does not do a lot of X-Men history continuity in terms of trying to explain exactly what happened between Sebastian and Shinobi in the past. It also has not given us much at this point about Shinobi's ties. You know, who are these organizations that kind of have leverage on him, despite the fact that he was just resurrected via Krakoa Protocols, and, you know, they, in theory would not even have realized he was alive and able to hold sway over him. All that, I am sure, will continue to be explored, and I'm excited to see it because that is what makes Marauders such a compelling book. <coughs> Speaking of compelling, who the heck are those kids claiming to be ex-Hellfire Club at the end of Marauders number 4? Marauders 4 ends with an even more surprising entry into the Hellfire Legacy sweepstakes with the reemergence of Cade Kilgore and the Hominus Verende, which from what I can tell translates to something like the Feared Ones. During Jason Aaron's run writing Wolverine and the X-Men, he introduced a new youthful Hellfire Club led by Cade Kilgore. I think actually their first appearance might even go back to Schism. Kilgore and this new Hellfire Club is part of Marvel's comics tradition of making genius intellect preteens like Valeria Richards, although of course in this case they are pure evil. It requires a significant suspension of disbelief, <laughs> which obviously is just a part of reading X-Men comics, but in the case of 12-year-olds that talk like uh, supervillain Silver Age Magneto, uh, or even, you know, 80s Hellfire Club Sebastian Shaw, it's it really requires you to to step back and try to imagine what that voice should read like. The other members of this Hellfire Club seen here are Maximilian Frankenstein, Manuel Indique, and Wilhelmina Kensington. Each member represents powerful, wealthy bloodlines in a new, even more bloodthirsty model. Importantly, they're also all human and either hate mutants or enjoy profiting off anti-mutant weapons manufacturing. The difference here seems negligible. If you want to read more about 
this young preteen Hellfire Club. Again, I highly recommend the, I believe it starts in 2011, Wolverine and the X-Men run. They are major villains really throughout the entirety of that run written by Jason Aaron. Um, and it's all, I really enjoy those comics. They're some of my favorite, not only X-Men comics, but Marvel comics of the decade. So I would highly recommend you go check out that run to get a feel for how these characters are going to be used. I love though, that Dugan and Loli are reaching into the legacy of Hellfire to, to make Marauders even more compelling. They're not stopping at the Hellfire Club we all just know from, like, Dark Phoenix Saga. At the heart of these storytelling choices, there's a through line connecting Krakoa and the world of X to money, power, and shaping the globe. It's in the way Jonathan Hickman writes Sebastian Shaw, speechifying like a character out of Black Monday Murders in X-Men number three. In the way X-Force number four includes a data page with the shell corporations of Professor Charles Xavier. And of course, in the way the main players in Marauders see the world. One of the aspects I find most interesting about Marauders is this is very much not how Kate Pride sees the world. She's been dragged into these games of finance and backstabbing because she ran into a literal Krakoan brick wall. I'm very curious to see how shrewdly she'll be able to play in these spaces that Sebastian and Emma have lived in all their lives. I know she doesn't trust them, which is good, and I think Kate is exceptionally shrewd and smart and will be able to navigate these fields, but again... She's not out here scheming, at least it doesn't feel that way right now. While she's putting together her team, what are Emma and Sebastian putting in the works against her to make her life more challenging as they try to benefit their own? Sebastian, of course, being the most ominous threat in the sense that he is pure 100% self-interest. So that's going to do it for this Marauders 3 and 4 recap. Again, this is Kraken Krakoa number 26. This will be my final installment for 2019, and Marauders is my favorite Dawn of X book. Now, make no mistake, I like House of X and Powers of 10 more than anything that's happened in Dawn of X. And again, I think big picture, Dawn of X is... I've enjoyed exploring it. I've enjoyed diving into it. It's definitely lost a lot of that steam. And a lot of that that really, really exceptionally high praise that I was given it with House of X and Powers of Ten, right? That goes down as my favorite Marvel comic experience of 2019. Dawn of X is significantly more muddled. Um, you know, if we were looking just broadly at Marvel, I think the books that I might consider for my favorite Marvel comics, Marauders is the only Dawn of X book I think I have on that list. And I think it's, you know, part of it obviously is just there are no more than four issues in any of these series, but it's also just a really mixed bag. I like what's happening in X-Force. I think it's doing good things. I like what's happening in New Mutants and X-Men, and because I expect that there's a vision and a plan there, um, Excalibur and Fallen Angels have really let me down in each in their own way. So, Marvel, there's a lot of announcements and a lot of solicits, and I'm going to keep talking about them here on Kraken Krakoa, because I'm excited to see how this gets fleshed out, but I, I do think Dawn of X is is losing some of its luster. It definitely has. Marauders is the book that is maintaining it the best, in my opinion. Now, I know that is one opinion. Of course, everyone has a favorite, and of course, my least favorite, Fallen Angels, is some people's absolute favorite. That is what happens with these types of opinions. So I'm curious to hear what you think of Dawn of X so far throughout 2019. Leave a comment here on the CBH YouTube channel, or of course, write to me anywhere at Comic Book Herald on social media. Thanks everybody for listening, and as always, enjoy the comics. Yeah.